Show me the way to go home. That's what Uncle Luke says. He wants everybody to get home because God is home. And this week, word to your mother. That's right. Word to your mother. Come on in. Let's check it out. Luke chapter 7, 1 to 17. All the bubbas of the world. We got one mission in mind. Welcome to the Biblical Channel. We're always glad somebody's showing up because we love talking about God, and we, we need everybody to start talking about God. Our society is going into weird places. Everything's getting weird because we thought it was cute to kick God to the curb, and now that you know, God has been supposedly kicked to the curb, everything's getting weird. So we need people to just do the basics. Do the basics of what people did 300 years ago. Get back to reading your Bible. Read your Bible. Say your prayers. And just get together with people, hang out, have a meal and talk God, learn how to talk God easily and with a fun way. That's our goal here at the Biblical Channel is to get you talking God, read your Bible better, um, talk about God better, all of that kind of stuff. We ought to be talking God like we talk sports, fishing, you know, headgear, I don't know, rings, jewelry, fashion wear, you name it. Anywho, let's dive right in. Before we do anything in this channel, we always pray. And praying's easy, man. We got a peasant girl that taught us how to pray. That's, uh, you know, we'll call her Aunt Mary, Jesus' mom. And she just simply says it the way we should say it. My soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Jesus taught us how to pray this. My Father who is in heaven. Our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. I there's the rub. Right on. Well, let's jump into our text. Um, and and by you know jumping in, I say let's just read the thing because you know the problem with most uh, uh, of today's society is they don't read nothing. And Jesus pointed this out 2,000 years ago. He's like, you don't know nothing because you don't read nothing. You don't read what you should read. And when you do read it, you get it all messed up. So just let's listen to it. This is a great episode, by the way. Great episode. We're going to learn lots, and uh, we're going to come away saying, yeah, I get that. Oh, I get it. Anyhow, here's how it goes. After Jesus finished all of his sayings, in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now, a centurion had a servant who was sick at the point of death, who is highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, and they said, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he's the one who built our synagogue. Jesus uh, went with them. And, you know, when he was not far from the house, the centurion, sent friends saying to him, meaning Jesus, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And I say another, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled. He marveled and he turned to the crowd that followed him. And he said, I tell you, I haven't seen anybody in Israel with such faith. Bam. 
And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Uh, well. Soon after, he came to the town of Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, Don't weep. Then he came and he touched the buyer, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, rise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us. God has visited his people. And this report about him spread throughout the whole Judea um, and the surrounding country. Bam, end, end of the story. There's our passage, man. And there is some, you know, mic dropping stuff going on here. Word to your mother. Man, the, this thing ends with a great mother story and a great word. The greatest word a mother who has lost her son could ever hear. Anyhow, let's just start from the top and let's dive into this thing. And, and let's just get the gist of, of the this, this pair of stories that Luke has linked together. Uncle Luke has put this together for us, and, and it forms such a nice passage. Word to your mother. You know, when that word is, you know, when that's said on the street, it means I agree. Or something to that effect. It's, it's like, yeah, you can count on it. I agree. Something like that. Well, these two passages should, should bring to us that whole sense of, yeah, amen, I agree. You can bank on it. You can you can take that all the way, that kind of thing. So word to your mother. But before we get to the mother bit, you know, here's the deal. Jesus has just finished his Sermon on the Mount, his, his, his words on the side of the mountain, portraying himself as better than Moses. He is better than Moses. He has no problem with, you know, the, the he is definitely putting himself in a place where you need to decide, is he better than Moses or is he not? And the answer should be, yes, he is. And his words come out of his mouth like Moses' words on the side of the mountain, on the plains, um, as Mer Moses delivered words, the words of God to people. So now Jesus is simplifying this thing. You know, we got to admit, you know, Moses, Moses' words were a lot longer than Jesus' words. So Jesus uh, is simplifying things a good amount. And as he simplifies him, you know, as he simplifies things, we you know, we kind of reminded that, you know, he, he simplifies the words of God down to this. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are those who weep. And blessed are you when you are hated for actually loving God, loving the Son of Man, loving Jesus Christ. When people hate you for that, you are blessed. And bless, uh, woe to you who are rich, full, laughing, you know, and, and taking in all that this life has to offer. If you think because you are rich, full, and laughing that you're doing well and people speak well of you, that you've got the world by the tail, maybe you have an answer to God. And that's all Jesus is saying. Have you answered to God? I mean, have you, have you really, you know, or are you just, are, are you just enjoying the comforts of this world? Have you thought about out of this world? 
Jesus also says, love your enemies, do good, lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you'll be the sons of the Most High. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. He's kind to the ungrateful, so you should be kind to the ungrateful. Judge not, and you won't be judged. Condemn not, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Okay, that's the substance of Jesus' big talk. And you got to decide. Is that better than Moses' talk or or not? Well, I, I say, yeah. I, I like Moses' talk too, but I say, man, that's good tough. I ain't going to disagree with either, either one of them, but Jesus is better than Moses. And that's what, he, that, that, that's what he's bringing to us. So anyhow, in this story now, the first thing he does is he goes to Capernaum. So he's in this north woods. You, you got to get this straight. You know, he's up in Capernaum. He's in, you know, what the north country. And the north country is kind of the place where, well, hillbillies and, and crackers, you know, live. Hillbillies, crackers, rednecks, you know, of their day. Um, they lived up north in the north country, Capernaum, Galilee, all of this. And so it's interesting that he spent a time up there. But Rome was also pretty keen to develop this northern territory. So there is quite a presence. It's not completely, you know, banjo land where, you know, there's just some wispy haired and, uh, and, and summer teeth people. Uh, in the mountains, not like that, but but this is kind of the sticks and and uh, country folk, you know, are are kind of the the main audience, and so Jesus comes into Capernaum and a Roman centurion, which kind of gives us the accurate historical layout. There's a Roman historian around, a centurion, not historian, centurion around. He's a soldier, man. And of course he's around uh, because, well, there's been trouble around. You know, there always is trouble uh, when it comes to the Jews. So anyhow, there's a soldier there. And typically the Jews hate the soldiers, but the Jews actually like this soldier. And so this soldier actually has a relationship with the people of Israel. Um, and it's, you know, I don't think it's unfair to say that, you know, perhaps he he is already, perhaps he is already, you know, a convert to you know, Judaism, the, you know, it's, uh, maybe he is a, you know, a, a proselyte uh, to, to, the, to the children of Abraham, you know, that, that he's, he's all in, that he likes what he sees, which is fairly common. That a lot of people liked what they saw when it came to Israel uh, because it was very moral, it was very straightforward, um, and it portrayed a loving God who was concerned about every single thing in the world. So Anyhow, it seems like this soldier is is a good friend, and 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 it, it is kind of funny that these the, the 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 town Jews of Capernaum come out to Jesus and are like, "Hey, we've got a good guy. Oh, don't hate him, don't hate him because we love him, and he's a good guy." You know, they're like convincing Jesus, like oh, oh, like like Jesus has hated on anybody at this point, right? So so that's kind of funny to me. You know, if I think about you know what they're saying, they're like you know kind of patting the scene, like, "Oh, this is a really good guy. You got to do something for him." You know, Jesus. Come on, man, you got to come through for us. But then it's the centurion's ideas that become the centerpiece of, of, of what God is communicating here. Because the centurion's ideas, when he finally has a, a chance to speak, when all the kind of blubbering, you know, blithering idiots, you know, kind of step aside, the centurion comes out. And this is a, you know, this is a guy that's, you know, boss, he's in charge. When he comes out, and he comes out and he says, oh, Jesus is coming. He says, he says to his friends, I want you to send him a message. I don't even want him to come near. I don't even want him to come, have to come to me. Um, so he sends his, you know, he sends a message to Jesus. And the message um, that he sends to Jesus is pretty remarkable, right? Because Jesus has run into quite a bit of controversy 
uh, people are pretty skeptical, even though he's doing wonderful things, great things, there is also a lot of animosity that seems to be following away. Not everybody is on board, especially the authorities. And so this Roman centurion really represents, you know, kind of the highest authority because the Romans are in charge of Israel. And um, anyhow, he sends his friends with this message, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Roof, I, I, I didn't presume to come to you. Just say the word and let my servant be healed. For I to him, a man said under authority, when soldiers say to me, you know, I say, so he basically says, I command soldiers. I know how you, I know how words work. You just say it and it happens. But really what this soldier has identified is that Jesus, he's no trickster. He's no huckster. He's no snake oil salesman. He can just say the word. This guy has recognized that Jesus Christ, well, Jesus from Nazareth, the hill country, he has heard about him by reputation. He has heard about what he's been saying. He has heard about what he's been doing. And this guy knows that Jesus is the real deal. And he says, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Just say the word, um, if you would. And here's the other thing about him. He does not make a demand on Jesus. He doesn't say to Jesus, if you do this for me, Jesus, I will, I will have faith in you or I'll follow you or anything like that. He does not have a deal for Jesus. He, instead, he says, I'm not worthy. I'm just asking. It would be great if you can, and you can do it from, from afar because I submit to your authority. The Roman soldier is doing an, an unthinkable thing. He is submitting to the authority of Jesus, and he is admiring the authority of Jesus because that Roman soldier knows that, yeah, even though he says the words, he actually has to go and supervise the project or make sure that it is supervised. He knows something about Jesus that the rest of the crowd doesn't seem to understand, and that this Jesus, he doesn't even have to send supervisors, if you know what I mean. This guy gets it. And what this guy, what this Roman centurion is going to become is the actual paradigm of faith and hope that we all share. Because it's no different. I am a follower of Jesus Christ for one reason. I have heard of his words and his powerful words and his authority and his deeds, and I submit. Here's the bottom line with Jesus when it comes to me. Jesus is better than me, and Jesus is better than everyone. It's just that simple. I'm in. Jesus' words have unparalleled authority. This Roman centurion understands that Jesus' words have unparalleled authority, and, and he is doing what, you know, the, my newest little dog does. Lay on his back and show his belly to show authority. That's what this, so here's this tough guy, Roman centurion. He's laying on his back and showing his belly saying, I, I, I am under your authority. He makes no deals with Jesus. He just simply asks if you could. And Jesus' response is worth noting because Jesus marvels at him. Jesus doesn't marvel at a lot, you know, but he marvels here. This is fun for him. He, and he's going to have a lot of fun with this. So he tells his, his Jewish brotherhood, he's like, 
This guy knows more than you do. This guy gets it better than you do. You're going to get it. And Jesus is patient. He's having fun with it. Imagine this big smile on his face when he marvels at him, at his friends telling him this. And he tells all the people standing around him, he's like, this guy gets it. It's so fun when God, you know, when we have faith in God, there's nothing but a big smile on God's face saying, that's what I love. I love it. God loves the relationship that he has with us. And when we show our love and we show our proper due diligence to him and what he, what he has done, when we submit ourselves just to, to, to his goodness, it just puts a big smile on his face, you know? And he promises us, the hug's coming. The hug's coming. And Jesus, is, is this a very tender scene? It's, it's awesome. Um, and of course, you know, they, they return, they get back to the house, Presto, the servant as well. Of course he is. Of course he is. But this is the paradigm of faith. Faith from witnesses' words about Jesus. Faith for everybody. This is a Roman centurion. Jesus is not holding this out to an ethnic group. And and this is what really, you know, we're going to hear, you, you hear it in other places in, in the Bible as well, where Jesus will, will say, you know, even to his twelve that people who believe without touching, I think he tells it to Thomas or somebody, you know, people who believe without touching me, man, that's where the real gold is. Anywho, anywho, the, uh, the next scene works together in this same exact setting. So now he comes into another, you know, small Hoboker town, Nain, and uh, he draws to the gate and there's a funeral. What a bummer. What a bummer, unless you're Jesus. Then you could probably put a smile on your face and say, man, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. And it seems like that's what Jesus is doing. He draws near the gate and, you know, and, and he actually goes up to the buyer and he does some un-Jewish things, man. He touches the, you know, the buyer, which is, this is like a no-no. This is, this puts you out of, out of, you know, like if you're going to do Judaism correctly, you know, then, then, then you're going to have to be unclean for like a week or so. And, and then, and you're going to have to stay away from everybody. And then you're going to have to come to the priest and then you're going to have to put, yeah, it's a big pain in the butt to get unclean. Jesus just walks right up there and slaps his old paw right on the, right on the buyer. And, uh, and everybody stops. Of course they do. They're like, what the heck is going on here? So he touches the buyer and he says, young man. And, and prior to that, keep in mind, we're told that, that Jesus, Jesus just, he, he's going to have fun with it, but, but. You can't miss the fact that he has, he has compassion on, on this mother who's lost her only son. And, and she's a widow as well. And I'm telling you right now, right now, no religion, no religious book, no philosophy ever put more emphasis on taking care of the widows of this land like the Bible does. The old part of the Bible, new part of the Bible. Whole Bible says take care of the widows, take care of strangers, take care. Nobody talks like that. Anyhow. So this is a favorite target for God, the widow. He wants the widows taken care of. And this widow has lost her only son. So this lady is going to have a tough time surviving in this male-dominated world, you know, 2,000 years ago. So she's going to have some fun. He has compassion on her. He's loving on her. And he puts his hand on it, slaps his paw on that, that buyer, you know. And, and uh, he says, young man, I say to you, rise freaking dead guy got up. I mean, like, like it's just unbelievable. Uh, that guy gets up and of course the response is great. You know, so the, and this would be a Jewish you know, audience. And, and, uh, and, and first of all, they're scared out of their minds. 
Of course they are. You would be too. I would be too. I would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Do I run? Do I stay? What do you do? This is nuts. This guy just got raised from the dead. But of course they settled in on it and then they started glorifying God. They're like, okay, you can't do this stuff without God. So God is here. And then they said the right thing. God has visited his people. You know who Jesus Christ is? You know what the word Emmanuel means? God visits his people. Jesus is God. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry. I just don't hear enough people saying it. So I'm going to say it so much that you start saying it. That's why I say it so much. Jesus is God. That's the whole fun part of the story. And even when people reject him, it's fun because this world is like that. This world rejects all the right things. That's the way this world works. And the Bible says, you know, God is the only one calling us out on it. And as soon as we absorb that thought, we're all in. This passage right here brings out, you know, so the Roman centurion, he knew Jesus' words had authority. But now this scene, Jesus' words have the ultimate authority. Because I don't know about you, but, you know, I got a big concern. I'm going to die. And everybody I know is going to die. And if, and, if, and if you're going to let this world keep you alive forever, no, thank you. Good luck with that. That's not my thing. Um, you know, and they're working on it, believe me. But we're going to die. And I got to take that seriously. And no man in history, no man in history has had a bunch of witnesses say, this dude can raise people from the dead. And not only can he raise people from the dead, but he rose from the dead. Jesus is the man. His word has authority over death. This young man just sits up and starts talking. He's good. He's good to go. Oh, he died later. Don't, don't get me wrong. Don't make it weird. He's going to die later. He's not going to die now. This day was for his mom. This day was to restore a little balance in his mom's life. This day was to show the audience, the small audience. And that's what I love about God here. He doesn't go to Broadway. He doesn't go to New York City. He doesn't go to, you know, Los Angeles. He doesn't go to Paris. Of course, they don't exist then. But, you know, he doesn't go to the big city. He doesn't go to big Rome. You know, he doesn't go anywhere big. He lets the little people enjoy the show. And it's all for free. Except if you follow him. Well, then it costs you your whole life. Well, I'm all in. Um, and, and so, you know, Remember when Jesus said, you know, why, why do you call me Lord and you don't obey? Why would you call Jesus Lord and obey him? Because his word has authority over death. It's that simple. I'm in. Jesus is better than everybody. So I'm in. And Jesus' words have more authority and more power and more goodness than anybody else's words. So I'm in. You quit bullshitting. Nobody has ever had words that are better than Jesus and have people witnessing to how much power Jesus words have in the modern day world. Even, even the, the, the obnoxious groups that are out there, you know, saying, if you don't love better, I'm going to kill you. Those weirdos, they still are operating in a world that Jesus has created over the last 2000 years. Compassion, kindness, that's not, that was not the substance of the old world. That is only the, sub, the substance of the Jesus world. 
You see, this scene also, you know, takes us back to the old world because Jesus is not only portraying himself as better than Moses, but he's also portraying himself as better than Elijah. That's why the crowd, you know, when they see that he raises a dead person for a widow, for a mother, an only son, they see it clearly. They're good Bible readers. First Kings chapter 17, verse 23, Elijah does this, you know, as as well. And people make the connection. They're like, oh my gosh, a great prophet has risen among us. And that is part of the scene. Not only is Jesus better than Moses, but he's better than Elijah. And why is he better than Moses and Elijah? Because he's God. <laughs> because he's God. Because he's God. Because he's God. The guy who raises from the dead and has people go on to tell about it wins. And he invites me to be a winner. So guess what? I'm in. And you should be in. And we should be talking about this stuff. This should come up easily. You know what I'm saying? Word to your mother. And everybody else for that matter. Music